G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Foundations. In addition to the passage, verse 4 has led to a lot of very erroneous teachings about angels, with the suggestion that there are, you know, there's an angel of healing, there's an angel of finance, there's an angel of breakthrough, there's an angel of this, and there's an angel of that. Foundations. Understanding the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith. With Robbo Robinson and Mandy Warby. been learning about the pools of Bethesda and how the myths about angels stirring the waters developed. This time we'll get a look into the minds of the religious leaders and what their expectation was regarding these waters. Yeah, this story is really quite a favourite of Christians and I think because of the great deal of misunderstanding around this particular passage because of the angels stirring the water, it's led to quite a bit of error um, innocently, but an error that has been embraced. But really good to actually hear the whole mm. the whole story because we read it in bits and pieces. Yeah, so let's read the passage. It's John 5, and we'll read from verse 3 through to verse 13. It says, In these lay a multitude of those who were sick, blind, lame, and withered. And then this is the bracketed section. It says, Waiting for the moving of the waters, for an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool, and stirred up the water. Whoever then first, after the stirring up of the water, stepped in, was made well from whatever disease with which he was afflicted. And then he goes on to say, A man was there who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been a long time in that condition, he said to him, Do you wish to get well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your pallet and walk. Immediately the man became well and picked up his pallet and began to walk. Now it was the Sabbath on that day, so the Jews were saying to the man who was cured, It's the Sabbath, and it is not permissible for you to carry your pallet. But he answered them, He who made me well was the one who said to me, Pick up your pallet and walk. They asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Pick up your pallet and walk? But the man who was healed didn't know who it was, for Jesus had slipped away while there was a crowd in that place. So we've learned that the Pool of Bethesda lay outside the Temple Mount precinct and it's not on and it's not attached to the temple in any way rather. In the first century BC, a temple to the Greek god of healing Serapis, connected to or associated with the Greek god Aesculapius, was built at the pools and that a myth regarding healing attached to those waters developed over time. Mm. And by the time Jesus arrived, many, many sick Desperately sick people, crippled people, disabled people were congregating there desperate for a miracle. By this stage, the myth was that at a certain time, you know, certain seasons, an angel would stir the water. First in, best dressed, and you get your miracle. Mm. But the, the truth is the only people that were congregating around there were the desperately sick. Mm. There was nobody else there to document the miracles, nobody there to say, wow, this is amazing. There was none of that. Mm. And uh, so Jesus, in his ministry, he went to the most desperate. He went to the most needy. Remember he said to the, the Pharisees and the religious leaders, he said, I didn't come for the well, I came for the sick. Mm-hmm. So that was where Jesus' heart 
was. Yeah. Otherwise, no healings actually took place there. There was no expectation of miracles. Again, only in these desperately sick people who would have done anything. Mm. And we see that today, desperate people who are desperate for healing. They'll, they'll try anything, yeah, so any true. wonder drug, any method, any yeah. diet. They'll do it. So you could just imagine it would be a very sad place with these yeah, desperate people there. They had no other hope. They were just, uh, I guess, hoping that they may have been fortunate enough to receive a healing. Hopeless. I mean, imagine it for um, a Jewish community putting a, a, a Judaistic angel badge mm. over the top yeah. of this, what is essentially a pagan, idolatrous environment, really. Yeah. So that when the man was healed by Jesus, how did the religious leaders respond? I mean, there was no praise be to God. There was no, let's go make an offering. Let's go and sing and dance in the streets. You were the one who got picked this season by the angel. No, it was basically miracle. Mm. Miracle? What miracle? Hang on a second. Yeah. You're carrying a pallet. It's You're a breaking the Sabbath, yeah. Put that pallet down. <laughs> the man had been a cripple for 38 years. Mm. Yeah. He was walking and they were wondering only and angry about the fact that he had something in his hands. Yeah. It's amazing. It's very sad, really, isn't it? Oh, tragic. I mean, you again, I have to re-emphasize this point. If it was a real thing, those religious leaders would have been trumpeting him. Actually, they'd have been selling coins. Mm. Which cripple gets in first to get near the water? Well, whoever can pay me a, a, a you know, a, yeah. a temple tax, a, you mm-hmm. know, a donation for the temple. It would have been a money-making scheme, but there was no expectation of mm. healing. That's a good point, actually. The other thing that's really important is this does not sound like the nature and character of the God that we serve. Mm. Our God doesn't do that. The gods of ancient Greece were capricious enough to play games with human beings and mm. toy with them. It was a, it was fun to them. Read or learn about the legends of the gr- gods of the Greeks. They were terrible in how they treated mm. human beings. That is not our God. Yeah. He doesn't do that. So in addition to the passage, verse 4 has led a l- to a lot of very erroneous teachings about angels with the suggestion that there are, you know, there's an angel of healing, there's an angel of finance, there's an angel of breakthrough, there's an angel of this and there's an angel of that. Mm. I understand how people can come to that conclusion because of this particular passage. Yeah. But when you actually learn the history and realize that this particular site was a pagan site and that the myth of the angel was just that it was a myth, if there was no angel there, then these other doctrines kind of mm. disappear. Yeah, that's they right. fail, don't they? So what does that mean for us then as believers if we understand this maybe for the first time? Well, we've talked ad nauseum many, many times throughout many episodes of Foundations about the importance of keeping your Bible in its context and to understand the culture of the day, the politics, the social environment, the history. I mean, if you want to learn what life was like for Paul when he travelled throughout Greece, you've got to learn Greek history. Mm. You've got to learn about the the, the cities within which he travelled and preached. Then the scriptures just like open up. Mm. It's amazing. If you're reading your Bible, don't gloss over things like, as we mentioned last time, the brackets, the italics, the footnotes. They're all there for our learning. And so much work has been done to help us. I mean, Mm. the research is already there. You've just got to go and dig it up and read it. And personally, you need a good, solid translation. I would avoid using paraphrases. Make sure you get a very good, complete, solid understanding of what you're reading and studying. I guess for me, the saddest part of this story is the religious leaders and their response. As you said, they couldn't see past the fact that the man was carrying something 
rather than the fact that God had healed someone, that there'd been a miracle that had happened right before their eyes. It's heartbreaking, isn't it? Mm. And these were the people that God called the shepherds of Israel. Yeah. These were the religious leaders. These were the teachers of the law. And they were there to communicate to the people. Remember, we've talked about priests and religious leaders. They were the go-betweens between God and the people Mm. to explain God's word, his statutes, so that they would understand who God was. What kind of a picture were these? did the people have of God? They certainly didn't see him as somebody they could go to for healing. They were sitting around mm. a, a pagan temple. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the representatives of God within the religious leadership was pretty appalling. Yeah. Really, really appalling. And so Jesus comes in and he is just like a breath of fresh air. They said to him, <laughs> we've never heard such authority. We've never heard teaching like this. Mm. This is amazing. And they flocked to him. Yeah. Because the real God turns up and the real God brings healing and mm. compassion. It's beautiful. Yeah. So in John five fourteen, we see this the next part of this story where Jesus found the man later in the temple and he said to him, Behold, you've become well. Don't sin anymore so that nothing worse happens to you. Yeah, I think this can often be a little misunderstood too, as though he was in that state to start with because of mm. his sin. I don't believe that was the case. But, I mean, this layman, he'd been... 38 years hanging around a pagan temple waiting to get well, uh, and Jesus healed him in an instant. Where did he go? Where did the man go? After he was healed, he grabbed his bed <laughs> and he went into the temple. Yeah, Why? that's right. I think because as far as the Jewish mind was concerned, the temple was where the presence of God resided. He wanted to mm. be near God. God came through. God miraculously healed him, and it had nothing to do with the water or mm. a figment of imagination in angels. And it had nothing to do with that. He wanted to go in there and be near God, and, mm. and Jesus approached him. And then he says that, don't go sinning anymore. You don't want anything worse to happen. Mm. I, I think it was the fact that the man had not looked to God properly. He'd been seeking a false god. Yeah, I guess that's right. He's basically saying stop hanging around pagan temples seeking answers elsewhere except for you know where the answers will be found with God. Exactly, because you muck around with that stuff and boy, oh boy, you're going to be in an absolute mess. Here's, here's the end of all of this. Seek Jesus. Mm. Always seek Jesus and just Jesus. Don't follow after fads. Don't seek angels. Don't follow the latest church trends mm-hmm. and the latest formulas and the latest fad that hits the bookshop's Follow Jesus and seek him and his word. Well, that brings today's program to a close, but a reminder that you can listen back to today's episode and others that you might have missed via the free Vision app. If you don't already have it on your device, just search Vision Christian Media on your app store to download it. You can also listen again on our website. Just go to vision.org.au forward slash foundations. This has been Foundations, a look at the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith. For study notes, resources and more, see vision.org.au slash foundations. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 